Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So, <clears throat> in the Zen tradition, it's, there's a saying that all beings are endowed by Buddha nature. That Buddha nature is the essence or the basis that's active in all beings. Sometimes this book just said all Buddha, all beings have Buddha nature, all beings intrinsically are Buddha nature. That the and the only difference, the only important difference between anybody or that there is in beings is that some realize it, some recognize this, that their original nature and some don't, they ignore it. But still, this, the Buddha nature, which could be called the awakened consciousness, the awakened heart-mind, wakefulness, it's, it's the essence, it's the basis of everyone, of any being, of any, any, and it's that which is indivisible. It's not like there's a Buddha nature in here, a Buddha nature in there, where it's a wakefulness is not divided up, it's not in parts. It's just wakefulness that seems to show up or appears through forms. That wakefulness, that awareness, is so that's where everything starts from, everything comes out of. Without wakefulness, without being aware, uh, wouldn't even be hearing this. Wouldn't be seeing anything. Wouldn't recognize anything. Wouldn't cognize anything. So whether one is uh, very, very, um, in some very vivid and concentrated state, or, or one's very diffuse and scattered, there's still this awareness, or this wakeful nature that's, you know, the, the at the bottom of it all, you're aware. You're aware, even being unaware or being unconscious, there's still awareness. Someone is there, and even that someone, there's awareness of there being a someone, like an eye. One moment there's an eye, another moment there isn't. So, a saying that the, the common trait, is say, of all beings, all sentient beings, is this wakefulness, the wake nature, the Buddha nature. So that's something that's self-evident, but maybe it isn't. It's like, okay, it sounds good and you kind of know it, but What is it like right now? Can you not realize this? Is there anybody here that's not aware? Is there anybody, is it possible to be here and not be here? You're here.
So it sounds very simple. You can hear that the only difference between anybody and anybody that is uh, significant is that some recognize what they are, like right now, and others intend to not recognize it. They think otherwise. Like, in other words, one is what one is. Whether you think you are what you are, you still are what you are. I am what I am. Now, these can be words, but to really recognize it, is that difficult to be what you are? You cannot be, be otherwise than what you are. And it cannot be here, even if you're drifting right now, there's still awareness. that's here. So the difference that seems to make a difference is um, you recognize this or not. Am I ignoring what is? But even in that ignorance there's still awareness. When an old Chinese Zen master was asked if dogs have Buddha nature. Dogs were treated very badly in China. And he said no, that became a, a big koan for people to meditate on. Does a dog have Buddha nature? And they go, moo in Japan, or woo in China. It was in this, which meant no, or no thing. And actually, that word also it's been translated as like the vast empty emptiness or even awakening. It's like like oneself, well, why would one ask a question like that and concentrate? Because one somehow thinks that one is not aware that the awakened nature is not at the very core of one's being as one's being is only one's being is that awake, aware no thing which is that which let's say illumines everything that's right here in ordinary life in the that there's the the um, intrinsic brilliancy of no thing that's ever um, ever aware ever it just ever is yet it's not a thing at all and that's simply recognized right here as one is as appearing as these bodies as whatever is being felt I mean, it's a big statement, so even to ask if a dog has Buddha nature and it's no, it's like oneself. Well, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I want to get enlightened. Or I just want to be, get rid of these conflicting thoughts or these, this turmoil of, you know, say the some hurt or pain that was in. But what is it that's here, right here? What is it to be really familiar with what's here? What is that that's the most familiar? What would it be to not ignore what it oneself. If the goal is oneself and one is already oneself, what is the path to walk on to get to oneself which is already here? 
with that everywhere one walks is the path. And the goal is right here. The, the end point is right here, as it always was. And the word ignorance and ignoring, which is the same, if one doesn't ignore that which is either ignoring or recognizing what what is here what am I really if it's self-evident what is it to stop being what one isn't and never was what is it how does one take off a mask that one never put on? Even with the mask, you're still the one that is aware of having the mask. There's all these different masks, all these different co costumes, and what's underneath it. It's the nothing, the no-thing, which is ever aware which shows up as everything, just as one is, just as we are, with whatever is going on, inside or outside, just as one is. So nothing is excluded, the greatness and the smallness, the sublime and the petty. Awareness, without awareness there wouldn't be anything of that at all. So what would it be to um, stop ignoring what is most evident and what's actually crucial? To be aware, to be conscious is the most crucial. You don't, can't come to it. It's here. It's a paradox that's resolved like in a flash, like a flash of lightning that lights up the sky. It's like a flash of being present and aware. And so you know, well, this is, you don't even have to think like this is what I am. It's, it's more blatant than anything. This is what I've been looking for, what I what I am, what I've always been, you know, so we've always known this. Before we were told you're this, you're that. Be like this, don't be like that. And the consciousness behind it, it doesn't know it simply is. told that you were born, you will die. You woke up this morning, you're going to go to sleep. You're good, you're bad. And and yet one's original nature which is neither good nor bad, nor have any qualities at all, and yet ever, ever here. It what makes here, here. And can't get to it or get away from it. I mean, it's really great. I don't have to convince anybody of it. It's just, it's just Stop being what one never is. Stop being what you never were. How do you stop? <laughs>
you never were. Somebody tells me, stop being what you never were. Stop pretending to be something. But in, in, in actuality, that which is conscious hasn't pretended. A statement, it's like an order or command. Be what, be what you are, not what you think you are. Sounds good, very zen. <laughs> but it's like really mean it when so like stop being what you never were. Okay? It's a laugh or it's the reverse of be what you are. Now one can like, oh wow, what a relief. I'll just stop bullshitting myself and be, be what I am. You're not, but what this is, is, is never, the intrinsic awareness is never actually pretended or bullshitted. It's, there's something about the, all-inclusive and unsparing honesty of simple being where there's nothing hidden it illumines its very nature it's like light the all-inclusive Nothing is rejected. Non-effortful acceptance. Not someone trying to accept. Accept this, I'll reject this, or I want to just accept everything. It's just itself already. There's a irresistible sense of complete dedication and non-separation for what is real because you don't know about anything else out there being real but this just that a conscious that's real there's relative realities and unrealities you know one can really look at it, it seems like well anything that one thinks or makes up or perceives there's something fishy about it. There's like, um, I look at something and it's my reality of what I see or what I hear and somebody sees or hears something else. It's always fishy. What is real? What is true? But something that we can agree on is aware of something being true or false or aware of whatever it is. You know, the awareness that's before awareness and non-awareness. So, uh, I just want to check in with people. Is this, are you all with me? Is this, um, it's like asking, are you here? <laughs> here, yeah, here. <laughs> So basically, I mean, the Dharma is all about waking up. I mean, that was the thing, Buddha, wake, wake. Woke up, wake up. That's, it's not about falling asleep or joining some religion. It's like, you wake up. You could look like anything that looks like however it is that one lives. So you wake up. And there becomes a passion about waking up. There's something truly satisfying about she being lucid, being conscious here, not later, 
in here. So, um, any questions or comments or statements or you want to add? Yeah. Um, I was thinking what you were saying was um, informative, and would it be possible to give us an example from your experience about how you became aware of how you're here and like what you are and what you're not and. Like a personal example. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I'd say it's the same with you. It's just that at a certain moment, I mean, I just knew as a child, and this is true of everybody, you know, I talk to people, that just at this certain moment, like very young, where there's this, this it's it can be like startling, or it could just come over very softly, that are just like really present and there's a sense of say like being in nature somewhere of not um, of being of the same thing that was around me in terms of nature and being really really present and being free of say what I supposed to be around say my family or those would be around me, just being really, and it's very, very striking. And I just say, later on, there'd be these moments where I wouldn't have to be somebody. And I find, you know, talking to people, it's, it's the same for everybody. It's often it's just forgotten or shoved away because there's so much pressure to be somebody. You know, basically, you know, you have these forms going through a indoctrination process in the school system, the family structures do that. So there's just these moments of tremendous lucidity and energy pouring through and, and so it's like that. Was there one moment in particular for you or was it just a series of moments throughout your life? Well, you know, it, it was just like that, you know, it's just it's very, very evident. I mean, it's not unusual or, I don't know anybody actually who hasn't had something like that. The, the circumstances might be different. Like, in a moment of truly being here, well, I'd say that there was something where there, coming into contact with this message, that it wasn't just something myself, you know, first in books and then meeting, meeting people who've, you know, lived this and communicate this. That, that, that was a big thing, you know, I, I'm deeply grateful for that, you know, to actually meet someone that, it, they're living this and they're communicating. It's like, oh yeah, it's oh yeah. And seeing the same consciousness in someone and in others, you know, I could see it in everyone. You know, like I could say, like some recognize it and may even speak it and others ignore it. But it's the same, it's the same one. I mean, I just feel we're the, somehow it's the same consciousness showing up as all of us, which are totally unique in our own way. Is that answer? Mm. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah? Um, I think about like my kids, uh -huh. 10 and 8, and you know, what do you recommend in terms of communicating to kids? Because I feel like I'm kind of indoctrinating them with, you know, the school and things like that. And um, I don't know if they can understand some of these higher level you know, like, that who they are is awareness, and I, I don't know, um, what do you recommend? Uh -huh. 
Yeah, well, the thing, you know, for yourself is to be as conscious and as genuine and honest with yourself. Right. And to be as, free, you know, because you're, you know, you're your kids' teachers and they're your teachers. Mm. And um, on both sides, you're going to really uh, annoy the others. Yeah, <laughs> 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 So it's like, um, basically, the freer and clearer you are with your motivation and and your motivations and what's really driving you and notice when you get annoyed like and when you want them to be in a certain way right you know so uh, they can um, teach you a lot um, and the thing is in terms of indoctrination and brainwashing of kids well what to do it's it's like too late you know they're in the world they're going to take in all these suggestions and there's all these pressures and forces for them to be somebody and and the thing too is that um, you know even with profoundly realized beings you know who have kids there still may be like say shadow sides and whatnot that come out that the kids will pick on like that is it's not um, you know if one comes into this world this is a world of conditioning it's a world of conditions and thus conditioning and if one appears in this world, I've never heard anybody who completely escaped from that, you know, including incarnate tulkus from Tibet who were supposedly totally enlightened, realized masters in their past life, and they still have to come into this life, and they, you know, might be still very, very neurotic or have problems, like what happened to the total, why did they even have to go through that? You know, maybe they, they don't. I mean, it's that's not a proof of anything, but the point, point being is that the more conscious you are and more honest you are with yourself, the better, the better it is for the kids. And something like we know that is, um, you're taking care of them, but um, what's important to learn, you might learn a lot more from them than they'll learn from you. Uh, with all due respect. Yeah, no. <laughs> it, it goes both ways, is what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> and otherwise, and I, since I haven't had any kids, I can't speak from personal experience, so you can add that into the mix. I mean, I'm not, not going to give any particular advice on child rearing, c conscious child rearing, because I really don't have experience with that, so. Thank you. Um, as you were speaking, I think what I'm noticing is like my tendency to to label certain things, like you were saying, like when they watch a lot of screen time. Yeah. Well, that's not good. It's yeah. kind of the whole, you know, me going into duality. And, well, that's not spiritual. That's uh, not healthy. You know. Uh, well, maybe it's not healthy, but it's. But on the other hand, just it's all the awareness. It's all happening. You know, it's like in the awareness of my idea of how it should look. You know. It's kind of my mind dictating certain things to me. Yeah. But I actually agree with you that probably, you know, screen time. <laughs> 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 That's great. <right. laughs> you, know, you know, it's a thing, there's no good and there's no bad, but one must be recognized what is, what is really appropriate, what is, you know, the good that's beyond good and bad, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, people have used it and it's just, well, there's no good and there's no bad, so I'll just go off and do all these gnarly things to others. And, you know, <laughs> right. nobody exists anyways, and it's all an illusion. And <laughs> so there's, there's a thing of being really sensitive to what's appropriate in the moment. And, you know, they might be very grateful to you later on if they don't, um, you know, if you kind of have them more in contact with the this 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 um, let's say this world instead of the screen yeah. <laughs> yes oh to piggyback on your question yeah I have a two year old and I am also you know indoctrinating her 
Um, <laughs> because if I don't tell her or demonstrate for her the difference between blue and purple, yeah. even though these things are just on a spectrum or whatever, she's going to fail preschool. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I have to... I have to... Language is... We have a predisposition to language sort of in the architecture of our brain and it's mm -hmm. how she's going to function mm -hmm. in this world. And so there's a lot of labeling and a lot of distinctions, especially for a two-year-old, there's a lot of labeling. Mm -hmm. This isn't this and that's a fire truck and blah, blah, blah. And I, it, it makes me a little nuts sometimes, mm -hmm. the amount of labeling that I do. And then there's the morally charged labeling of this is good and that's bad, like... Mm -hmm donut is bad and broccoli is good and, <laughs> and like um, helping your sister is good and breaking that thing is bad and it, it there's no with her limited language it's impossible to um, explain things in terms of harm and non-harm mm -hmm. when she breaks something there's just it would take me forever to explain why breaking that thing you know, causes harm, hurts my feelings, or, you know, does damage in some way. So it's, you have to shortcut to using these labels going to med. So I was, my question to you is, like you said, we all have to be born into this world and even the tool crews and stuff. How do we, how do we create conditions for ourselves and others to wake up if that's all that we really can do because everyone is going to come into this world yeah. and have to participate in the building of the architecture that they then have to see through later mm. you yeah. know mm. so how can i create conditions for myself and others yeah well the thing is to be very very clear with yourself and that's like on very little things as well as big things you know through the day and whatever it is, you, you, you know certain things and you can just check in and turn in and see like where, where am I honest? You know, where am I being real? What is it, what's here and going on? What's appropriate, you know, in this situation? You know, to be really sensitive with what, what's going around you. And every instant or every circumstance can show you something. Like where do I recoil? Where am I hiding out? You know, what is it that's you know, the ability to um, feel into where somebody else is at and where, how if you were in that position, how would you like to be treated? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, simple tools like empathy or where, you know, where are appropriate boundaries, for example, and where is it appropriate to extend oneself? I mean, it, it's, it isn't like that there's a, there's something that you know, especially at this point, like basically what, in terms of, in the long run, would be of most benefit. And to be able to check in and um, not, um, there's a determination to not be deceived. You know, can you, there's something in us, you know, especially this part, that knows um, what is genuine and what isn't mm -hmm. on different levels. And there's things that we don't know. But to live by that, live by that light, you know, not like in a tense way, but just in a, um, having a, a, a passion to to give oneself over to what's real. Sometimes I think of it as like a, a compass direction, as opposed yeah. to something um, too tense, right? Like, mm. I just want my sort of compass to always be pointing towards truth. I'm not yeah. pushing it, I'm yeah. not, it's not harsh, it's just yeah. can I get that needle to yeah. always be looking for what's true. Yeah, yeah. And what's here. Yeah. yeah. So that's the thing, I mean, you have, you have a compass and you just make sure that it's what that is. You could say that you're the compass and you're that which the compass is pointing to. And that everything, like if you're really clear, for example, that the world, your world is like a projection or extension of yourself, especially when you've got kids involved, but it's always like that. And there's something in you, like for example, if you, 
do something like every day where you're just you're just back with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you sit, for example, whatever. You know, it's just. Like, <laughs> I try. Yeah, yeah. You know, even like for like for you know, what, however long or short it is, yeah. you know, something where you're with yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not with your kids. You're not with your family. You're not with your partner. You're not with your, you know, all these people around. Whatever it is, you're not with them, mm-hmm. whoever them is. You know, it's like you're with yourself. Mm-hmm. And to have like one moment where you're with yourself, that's what the compass is pointing to. Mm-hmm. And then you see that, that it's like the other is basically an expression and aspect of yourself, and the perfect one. You know, it's not really a fluke who it is that you're involved with, say, like as a kid or, or whatever it is. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So when you were a child, you had this moment mm-hmm. of awakening, and you had other sense. But um, possibly, the people around you, your family members, maybe hadn't had those moments or didn't acknowledge those moments. So how did you navigate the people around you? Uh-huh. Well, I'm sure everybody's had those moments. I mean, everybody has that already. Um, you know, it's just I say that. It can be recognized and lived, or it could be ignored, and it's happening every moment. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, childhood was very hard. Basically, for myself, like um, there was some trees and bushes around. Mm-hmm. You know, or there was something nature, and I loved nature. And you, that's it. Or I'd go into myself. Okay. Which is what kids do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they just do it. They, it's, it's usually that. Somewhere or another, you know, a lot of children will capitulate and they'll, they'll play the game. But there'll be these moments at some point, mm-hmm. through luck or grace or who knows what, but it'll be there somewhere or another that there'll be this moment where one just sees, oh, I'm not who I think I am. Hmm. Okay. And, and now? And now? And now, how do you navigate others around you now who? haven't had the experience or don't recognize that, they, that they've had the experience or don't want to acknowledge it. Look, I'm saying everybody is that. Right. Whether they think they have the, had the experience or not have the experience, the experience is right now. Okay. You know, I mean, I'm something like that. And in terms of dealing with others, I just deal with however it is. You know, it, you know it's for better or for worse. I mean, it's, yeah. it's that. But I'd say that this this... Look, consciousness is in everyone. Everyone is conscious, even if they're very unconscious and, you know, acting mechanically and even doing things that are harmful for themselves and others. There's still a, there's still awareness behind that. And the game is, or the challenge is, to be present and to be um, clear about what's happening inside of oneself mm-hmm. as well as around oneself. You know, you don't see it as a thing, and that's a challenge for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how enlightened they might think they are, for, for example, in one extreme, or, <laughs> or how un- unenlightened, mm-hmm. or how they might think they are. You know, it comes down to the same thing. It's like, so here we are, mm-hmm. and there's, it's tough to be in a world of, of minds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I did have a question just building on the minds. It's a little bit about the body connection. Yeah. Um, and uh, how how that can I know we have mindfulness of thoughts, mindfulness of feelings, mindfulness of body, but when we're talking about being awake, um, yeah. do you or do you have any experience with how that feels in your body if there's a difference when you're uh uh-huh. Well, uh, you know, basically, I mean, the body and the mind are of the same thing. 
you know, basically there's no mind without a body, there's no body without a mind. You know, and there's, there's none of, there's no body-mind without consciousness of it. And, you know, you you know, you do some practice, for, for example, and one sees that what is the body is what seems to be, oh, it's my body, and all these ideas about it, if you really notice there's sensations, there's things that kind of pop up, and that, all sorts of uh, energies and um, things that are pleasant and unpleasant and sensations that, that are suddenly m- being made aware of. And that the sense of body is so related to where attention is put, where, where thoughts are there. And there's a, um, and it's, and what is triggered off in the mind with that uh, it's completely intertwined. And to be with the body as it is, which is... There's a... Uh, there's a lot is discovered to really look at and be with, say, what one uh, might be accustomed to be calling my mind or my body, which is of the same thing. What I, what I do find is that the split uh, dissolves. That, say, certainly the, the body-mind split and the split of, let's say, consciousness and the body and the body-mind, like how it's also intertwined in such a way, and the field of perception, the world, and the, and the, the body is here. It's also, there's a, there's a uh, movement towards congruence and an acceptance of, of how it is. I don't know if that, is this well, the answer? you know, with pain, for example, you yeah. know, chronic pain or back pain, yeah. and sort of the stories and the, the things that come around that, um, and how difficult um, with when those, you know, you have that, you, you experience in chronic pain to get out of that sort of story, you know, that I'm in pain, I'm in pain, and um, to, to shift to something like I have pain, uh-huh. I'm not pain, you know. Mm-hmm. And there is sort of, in that situation, the mind is making, there's, there's definitely a mind-body connection between mm-hmm. I have pain and my, I have pain in my back. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to sort of think in my mind how mm-hmm. to connect, you know, when you have a mind-body connection, how <laughs> that can be sort of difficult when with all the pain, if there's chronic pain. Yeah, sure. So you're in chronic pain? Well, I not in chronic I, I have, right now I'm in back pain, but I, I know um, a few people who are in chronic pain. And yeah. It's very difficult to see them go through that. Yeah. Just to see how, how to relieve what, you know, to relieve their suffering yeah. around that. Mm-hmm. Not that I can do anything about that. Right. Yeah, well, basically, you do what you can. You know, there there are you know techniques that can help a lot for a lot of people. You know, and if they work for you, that's great. You know, it's, these techniques can be can be, as we know. There's you know one does what one can. You know, like intense pain is be an enormous distraction. It could be also as a teacher, I wouldn't want that teacher on anybody, you know. <laughs> but if that's what one has, I've gone through a lot of physical things myself. Um, you know, there's you know, it would be really great that if one say wakes up to the original nature that something like all pain just disappear and 
we would just live in a healthy, youthful body forever and ever and ever, and, and paradise would come to earth, and you know, <laughs> there wouldn't be any you know, bad people around anymore, or, or, you know, and, and there would never be any hailstorms or you know, earthquakes or fracking or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, it's like we deal with what we deal with, and uh, being away from what is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we really have no choice. Mm. Uh, yes? Um, kind of going back to the relationship with others. My question is... Um, I'm struggling through a, a relationship with my, my mother who has rejected me due to telling myself stories, right? <laughs> Feel rejected. Um, I finally got honest with her that I didn't believe what she believed and it was something that I was struggling with and asked her not to force, like when we're together, me to join her in, in her belief system, um, something that for me, all growing up, caused a lot of pain. Mm. And I've, you know, my whole thought process and belief system has been doing a 360 for the last few months, and I was honest with her, and now she, <laughs> she doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Mm -hmm. And I know that I've got to deal with that, that pain on my level. I mean, I understand that. Um, mm. She has said, she wrote me a letter and said that it's in my court now after spewing some horrible hate and anger. And, and I understand that's coming from a place of pain for her too. Mm -hmm. I'm struggling how to respond. Um, I don't want to go back and respond from a place of pain. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to continue the hurt and the anger. And the, the, it's, it's almost felt like a very violent letter. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've been always somebody who just um, walks away and and then doesn't deal with things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can do that easily. <laughs> this is my mom, though, and she's always been one of the closest people to me. Mm -hmm. I'm just really struggling. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any advice for that. Uh -huh. Well, I'm sure you've brought this up to some of your friends or counselors, and they would have um, given you an appointment tomorrow. This just happened. Oh, this has happened. I'm just trying to. I got through yesterday. Uh huh. Okay. I'm trying to get through today. Okay. And um, I wanna. I'm hoping you know the counseling. Will, I I found a good therapist. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so you found a good therapist, somebody that you trust. Yes. So they can give you advice. They would know more, a lot more about the specifics than yeah. I would. So um, I just because she said that she didn't want me to ignore her. Yeah. And I feel this like I need to respond, but I don't. I don't want to. The first reaction was lashing out, and, and that's not going to happen. I'm yeah. not doing that anymore. Yeah. So I just. I guess. <laughs> I guess I just have to sit with it, huh? Yeah, see, and really take care of yourself. That's really important. That's one, certainly one of the best things to do is really take care of yourself and, and be with it and feel, like, really feel what it is that you're feeling. And you have a therapist, so they can give you, like, practical, tangible things, how to proceed. Okay. You know? But it's... Parents are really hard. Because they come from different, you know, it's, 
it's, it, you know, I mean, mother is like God in some sense, you know, emotionally. Uh, yeah, and, and the rest of my family has done the same. So she yeah. was my last part of my family. So yeah. I'm trying not to go to the stories of yeah. abandonment and all that. Yeah. And I have a good group of people that I'm with now, like my husband and, and mm -hmm. his family that are, are wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And I feel blessed for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there, so you, okay, that okay. sounds, sounds, you're in very fortunate um, circumstances True. With, with all of that. So, yeah, just you know, it, it really comes down to like being with yourself. I mean, this sounds you know, it's a challenge to really be with what's you know, say like things that are personal atrocities, you know, to have I, I can sympathize, you know, but um. A lot of us have had incredible difficulties with parents who don't understand and who could act. You know, it's one's parents. Um, to be, to have as a challenge to be clear in yourself and you do have support from people who love you and who are clear, so, yeah. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.